0: tell you guys, God is showing up right now. He's showing up in this church. He's showing up in people's lives and, and he wants to show up in your life too. And so I want to put some language to what we see happen in our church and I, I'm just going to get right after it. Okay. Second service. Are you guys okay? Can you handle that? We're, gonna, we're just going to put our floor, foot on the gas right now. We're just going to go after it. So here's what I'm seeing happen right now. Put some language to it. First thing we're seeing here, God shows up in the if. Now, you'll understand this in just a moment. Follow me. There's a game that I notice every single one of us plays pretty much every single day. I call it the what if game. And, and these thoughts just start going through your mind. So I, this happens to me, I don't know if this happens to you, but I'll text somebody and then they don't respond in the time frame I would have expected or hoped for. And I start asking all sorts of what ifs in my head. I'm like, what if I did something to offend them? Did I just make them mad? Is there drama in this relationship? What is going on here? Maybe you have PTSD like me from previous jobs or something, but you see your boss just schedule the meeting on the calendar and you get no context, you get no background, and you're just like, what if I'm about to get chewed out for 30 minutes by this person? What if this is where I get laid off? This is it. This is what's going to happen. Anybody in the dating game, maybe you had this experience like I did. You get to a point where you're like, hey, I'm kind of into this person. I'm kind of interested. But then that first thought crosses your mind. What if I'm into them more than they're into me? Because that creates a little bit of awkwardness in the relationship. Now you think about how many times this happens. What if they say no? What if it doesn't work? What if I look stupid? Some of us in here, you are really, really good at worst case scenarios. Some of you, you can play an entire horror movie in your mind in three seconds. You're, You're that good. And here's the thing. So many people though, Are losing the what if game every single day. We think of all the ways something can go wrong, and then we just assume that it's gonna go wrong, and it ends up being a faith killer. Because you start saying, well, what if God doesn't? What if God doesn't show up? What if He doesn't answer this prayer? What if He doesn't do anything? And maybe you don't even notice you're doing it, but we end up hedging our bets with God because we don't want to be disappointed. So we lower expectations. Sometimes we have no expectations. We don't even ask because we're like, you know what? God didn't show up that one time. Actually, he didn't show up that other time either. So why would I even get my hopes up? Now, there's an account in the Bible of the ultimate what-if game that I think was ever played. And maybe you're familiar with this story. Jesus actually sends his disciples out on the Sea of Galilee. He says, hey, cross the water. I'm going to meet you on the other side. So it's late at night. They hop in the boat. No big deal. But the storm starts brewing. Waves are getting crazy. And these guys are like fighting for their lives. So this is a bad night. And then the story takes a very interesting turn. This is a plot twist. They see somebody walking on the water. Strange, right? Now their response is what you'd expect. They're like, maybe we're seeing things. Maybe this is a ghost. But then whatever this thing is, starts talking. He's like, hey, don't be afraid. It's just me. And they're like, that looks a lot like Jesus. Is that Jesus walking on the water? Now, if this story has not gotten weird enough for you yet, it gets even more strange. Because in Matthew 14, verse 28, Peter says this, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Did you ever have any of those friends as a kid that just had the really dumb ideas? You ever have those friends? Were you one of those friends as a kid? I remember when I was hanging out with my friends, like middle school. We had this really fun idea. We thought we said, "Hey, let's put fireworks into our BB guns, light them, and then see if we can shoot them off before they explode." We didn't think there was anything wrong with this idea. We thought it was a perfectly fine idea. Now Peter, he sees this thing out of the water that they think maybe is Jesus. And he says, you know what? What if I walked on water? How about I do that? And you should have a moment where you're like, Peter, there are some dumb ideas in life. And this is one of them. It, it doesn't make any sense. And what makes this even more crazy is Peter doesn't even have a guarantee. Did you see what he said? If it's you. Peter's working on an If. He has no promise. He's not even totally sure this is the right guy. And if you know anything about Peter's life, this is kind of par for the course for him. Because if you follow his life, there's a moment where he even chops a dude's ear off. If you know that story, and Jesus has to clean up this whole mess all over the ground because Peter's swinging his sword around, chopping people's ears off. There's another time where Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, to Peter's face. Okay, You know it's a bad day when Jesus is calling you Satan. That's a really bad day. Not only that, Peter denies Jesus not just once, not twice, but three times. He's like, I don't even know the dude. And so Peter, he doesn't have a stellar record, okay? He is not on the honor roll list at school. This is not a 4.0 GPA kind of guy. But there is one thing that sets Peter apart. And this is why he saw God show up so powerfully in his life in so many different ways. And it was this, for Peter, if was enough to move on. If was enough for him. Peter's in this boat with all these other guys. And they're all saying, what if this storm flips the boat? What if we don't make it to shore? What if we fall in? What if that's a ghost out there on the water? And Peter is the only one in this entire boat who says, What if it's Jesus out there? What if I went out there too? For him, if was enough. And he gets out of the boat. Now, a couple weeks ago, I had the opportunity to go to Carter Lake with some friends. Some of you guys know this, it's a little north of this area, beautiful lake. And we were just out on a boat, just enjoying the day. We're wakeboarding, we're tubing. The sun's just out, it's just this wonderful day. And at one point in time though, our friends have said, hey, do you want to try wake surfing? Has anybody heard of this before? I've never heard of this in my entire life. I've never seen it. You actually can surf behind a boat. You don't even need a rope. You can sit right in the wake. And so my friend, he jumps in and demonstrates. He gets right up on his first try. He's just cruising like this ain't even a problem. So I'm watching him. I'm like, that doesn't look that hard. He's just kind of standing there on the board. How hard this could be? I said, give me that board. I'm going to do this. I snowboard. I got this. How hard could it be? Well, apparently very hard for me, okay? Okay. Because I went in that water more than every single person who got baptized last week at our church. I just kept falling and falling and falling. I mean, it it honestly just got embarrassing after a while. See, the hopes are getting up here. I'm like, okay, this is the time. No, going down right away. So why am I even showing you that? You see, that's what it looks like so many times when you ask, what if? You start wondering, should I step out of the boat? What if this works? And then you take a few steps and you fall right in (laughs) and you're sinking real fast. This happens so many times. You're like, well, what if this is an opportunity from God? Maybe he's opening a door and then the door gets slammed right in your face. You start dating somebody. What if this is the one? It seems like God brought us together. And before you know it, you are back to square one on the hunt. It's a lot of people going through some medical dynamics in our church. And you have that moment where the doctor, they're like, hey, we're gonna try this treatment. We're gonna try this medication. You're like, what if this is the one? What if we start to see progress? And then you try it and it doesn't go the way you were thinking. You see, if you know the story, Peter says, what if? And he takes a few steps and he falls right in and he swims about as well as a rock. And this is the hardest thing about if. Because by definition, if you're saying what if, you do not have a guarantee. You do not know how it's going to turn out. And even though Peter was looking right at Jesus in the flesh, he did not even have a guarantee in this situation. And neither do we. But there are times in your life, even after you've fallen in, you just have to say, what if? What if I tried again? What if I trusted One more time. What if I gave it another shot? What if I just stepped out once more? And sometimes when you say, what if, God shows up and you find yourself on top of the water. All right, you ain't sinking. Yeah. 1,000 attempts later, finally made it. Now, this is why I'm pointing this out. These are defining moments in our faith. And the reason there's no audio on there is because I'm laughing like a middle school girl right there. I'm all giddy because I finally got up. That's why there's no audio. This is a defining moment in your faith, though. Because when you step out, you have these moments where you just see God show up. And this is what I believe why we're seeing it here at Northern Hills. And this is what happened for so many people when they stepped out in baptism last week. So many people are living and believing this principle right here. Better to step forward in faith... And fall, then step back in fear and miss God. Now you should be doing like, a, huh? That doesn't make too much sense, Brian. Because you're, you're like, falling sounds like missing God. Falling means it didn't work. But follow me here. Peter, this night, could have easily have said, you know what? Better to stay in the boat. I'm not going to fall if I stay in the boat. I'm actually going to stay dry if I stay in this boat. And yet Peter was the only person that night who got soaking wet and fell right in the water. The only one. And this is why we always make fun of Peter. We're like, oh, Peter, he's so silly. If only he knew. If only he had more faith. How many other people that night walked on water? How many other people got out of that boat? How many other people in the history of the world have ever even walked a few steps on water? And you say, see, even though Peter fell, he went further than anyone else that night and in history. And even though he fell, he saw God show up powerfully in his life. He walked on water. And this is the spirit and the attitude that I feel like is stirring in our church right now. And I see it more and more in so many people's lives. There's a guy in our church who's a mechanic. And they just had a new employee come on the staff, a welder. And so they're just starting to build a friendship, talk, doing life. And he had an opportunity where they just had some God conversations. They start talking faith and everything. And this is not a part of this guy's life at this time. So he's just starting to have these conversations. And it turns into a, hey, would you want to come to my church sometimes? He made some invites to Northern Hills. And you think of all the what-ifs that can happen just in those conversations with coworkers. You start thinking, what if I become the weird Christian on staff? You know, that strange person that nobody wants to talk to her. What if they do come and they don't like it? You know, what if it just makes the whole relationship weird and the whole dynamics off? And he started texting me, he's like, Brian, I think this guy's be coming to church soon. Can you just make sure you don't preach a stinker? <laughs> Can we just get a decent on-par message? (laughs) And I was like, all right, man, I'm going to do my absolute best. I checked in with him last week, though. I said, hey, how's it going? I know you're talking to this friend. And he's like, you know, honestly, Brian, it's been weeks now, and we're going on months. I still haven't even got this guy to cross the threshold of the parking lot at the church. And this is easily a moment where this guy could have said, you know what? I'm tired of falling. I'm tired of being disappointed. I'm tired of even, even hearing no. This is just not worth it. And yet my friend, as he's talking to me, he's like, you know, Brian, I'm just asking, what if God shows up in this guy's life? What if this changes and transforms his family? What if this sets his family on a totally new trajectory for generations to come? What if? You know, last year we asked, what if as a church? We said, what if we started a school? Do we know anything about running a school? Absolutely not. This much. This is how much we know about it. And you think of all the what ifs, you could ask, well, what if we don't get the teachers? What if kids don't enroll? What if the state makes this thing super complicated? But you just got to stop sometimes. And you got to say, you know what? What if God is calling our church to raise up one of the greatest generations this world has ever seen? Kids, who are going to go into this culture and transform it from the inside out and completely change the course of history. What if? And even right now, this last year, we raised a quarter of a million dollars in four weeks just overnight like that. we got five teachers on staff. We're opening in a couple weeks, and we are going to keep expanding this thing as we go. All because we asked what if. What if? You know, it was earlier this summer. We had this charter school in the area. You say, hey, what if you guys were our home for a little while? And we met here, and we're like, well, how much time do we have to make this decision? They said, um, less than two weeks. We need a contract and a whole plan for hundreds of kids to be in your building. <laughs> and I honestly, I started asking all these what ifs. I'm like, what if these kids take over our building like locusts? I. I know kids. I'm like, what if these kids clog every single toilet in this building every single day? They're gonna make an absolutely disgusting mess in this place. I had all these what if questions. But sometimes you just gotta step back and say, you know what? What if. God is giving us an opportunity to reach hundreds of students and families and teachers. What if he's giving us an opportunity to be a witness to God's love and his hospitality and his generosity in our community through this school and every other opportunity brings? What if, last week, so many of you guys faced a what if about baptism? There's so many thoughts that were going through your, your mind last week, you're like, well, what if it's really not time? What if this is just my emotions, you know? What if it's not what I thought it was gonna be? You know, maybe I'm I'm hoping I'm gonna get over some stuff and baptism gonna be and then I fall back on the same stuff. What if this just doesn't work out? But hundred and twelve of you said, what if I get baptized today? And you didn't let anything stop you. Not even the fact that we ran out of shorts and shirts. You guys are getting baptized in your jeans and your boxers. I actually don't know if that's true. That'd be kind of gross. But, you know, you guys are getting baptized in whatever you're doing because you didn't let anything stop you. Because you were saying, what if God is showing up in my life? What if he's asking me to take a step of faith? And I'm telling you, when people start living with this kind of attitude, a what if kind of faith, God starts to show up. And that's why we're seeing this happen in our church right now. And I just want to encourage all of us to keep this spirit, this what if spirit, what if God shows up in this place? Now, there's another piece to this too that I'm seeing in our church though. And it's this, God shows up for the fully committed. There's this passage in the Old Testament, this prophet's talking to a king. The king's all freaked out about these enemy armies that he he thinks are gonna defeat him. And the prophet's trying to encourage him, trying to challenge him a little bit. He said, hey, you gotta have some faith. You gotta believe. And he gives him a reason for this. He said, this is why you gotta trust God. He says this in 2 Chronicles 16. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I had a conversation with a woman in our church just very recently. She came and found me after service. She said, Brian, I just gotta tell you a story. She said, it was back in March when my father's cancer returned for a third time. Very aggressive form of cancer. And he was told that he wasn't a candidate for surgery, for chemo, radiation, any of that. And they just had a treatment to buy him some time. That that was the plan. By the time they got to April, they already started going down the hospice road and getting those plans in order. By May, the tumor that was in his head that started as a little pimple-sized thing in March was already the size of a golf ball. Now, she told me, she was just being honest, she said, Brian, at that point in time, I really just kind of stopped praying. Because I'm thinking, we're not at the point now where we're praying for remission. We're just praying for just a smooth transition. That's really what we're hoping for right now. It was in May, these last couple months, where we sang a song in a church called House of Miracles actually the one ironically that we just sang today and there was a moment after that song when we just stopped as a church we said you know what if we're gonna sing about miracles how about we actually ask for some you know I know crazy thought maybe God actually does miracles and so we just paused we said if you need a miracle let's just take a moment and ask God let's just see it's not a guarantee but what if and so the woman she said you know what I had nothing to lose so I said "All right, God." If if there's some more time for my dad, if you have something for him, I'm just asking you to show up. So she prayed. Well, they got a scan back from July, and this man who's on the hospice path is 100% cancer free. The tumor is completely gone. He's been completely healed. Completely, totally gone. I'm telling you, there are moments in your life where you do see undeniable miracles. God gives you a total solution to an impossible situation. He absolutely does. It happens. But there are some realities of the faith journey that are very confusing and even kind of frustrating. Because in the same sense where that woman saw an absolute miracle, I've talked to so many people on church time and time again where they come up and they say, Brian, I need a healing. I need a relationship repaired. I need a miracle. I need a solution to this situation. And they are just like that woman. They are fully committed. They're praying. They're seeking God. They're asking, what if God shows up? And then they're still sick. The relationship still falls apart. The person still dies. The solution doesn't come. These are the moments that feel like such an injustice. You start thinking, man, how unfair. It's almost cruel. Cause you're like, God, how can you be so inconsistent? And so many times this is where people have their hearts break towards God. Cause they start thinking, you know what? God doesn't seem very committed to me. So maybe I don't need to be very committed to him. There's something you have to understand about how God works. If you're really going to see him show up in your life, this is a key principle of how God operates in our lives. God does not always promise a solution, but he does provide strength. One of the biggest mistakes we make is we define all miracles by solutions. God takes something broken and he fixes it. He takes the problem and he solves it. And these are our favorite miracles, aren't they? Like just the undeniable, supernatural, total things. And I'll tell you, if I had to choose, I would love to have more of these in my life. I'd love to have them on the daily. It would be great. I got no problem with that. But when the solution doesn't come, that's when the discouragement sets in. And you start to question God's commitment to you and you start to second guess your own commitment to him. And these are the moments when God is saying, no, 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 no. You, you cannot misunderstand what's happening here. It's not that you're not getting a solution because I hate you or I'm trying to punish you or I'm not involved or not committed. The reason you're not getting a solution in this situation is because I have something else for you. My supernatural strength. Now you need to understand how this works. We actually get a very good case study on what this looks like. Paul wrote a large portion of the New Testament. Now, you could argue he was one of the most fully committed people who has ever lived. I mean, you want to rank him on people who had impacted history. You could put him in the top three of most impactful people. There's no questioning this guy's commitment. That's not the issue. Just to give you a taste of how much Paul was living on a different level than most of us, look what it says in Acts 19 about Paul. It says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Okay, if people are trying to touch your used Kleenex so they can be healed, you're on another level, okay? God's giving you some favor. Now, Paul, even with all of that, at one point in his life, faced an impossible situation. We don't know specifically what it was. We don't get the details. Some scholars say some type of health malady. Others say maybe it was a psychological, even spiritual dynamic. Here's what we do know. This was absolutely debilitating for Paul. It tortured him and massively impacted his ability to function. And Paul only describes it as a thorn in the flesh. That's how he describes it. Now, Paul being fully committed, asked God to take it away. He prayed desperately. He said, God, I need a solution. And if there's one person you would expect to get a solution from God, it's Paul, right? I mean, my goodness, this dude got beaten multiple times for his faith. He got stoned all stuff. He spent years of his life in prison. You think God'd be like, you know what? I'm gonna do Paul a salad. This guy just needs a little pick-me-up. All right, Paul, I got you. But that's not how it unfolds. Look how Paul describes how the situation was handled. Second Corinthians 12, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, the thorn in his flesh. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. God said to Paul, in this situation, I'm not giving you a solution. Because if I gave you a solution, you wouldn't need my strength. And you need to discover that it's not ultimately solutions that you need, it's me. And so even without the solution, God is saying, you need to know that I am sufficient. Now, if you read the rest of the story, Paul says, you know what? I'm gonna brag on my suffering now. I'm gonna boast about some of these hardships because I have learned without a doubt that God is enough. Now, I've got a question for you. Is God enough for you? Are you at a place in your life and faith where you could say, God, Even if I don't get a solution, I know you're sufficient. I know you're enough. Last week at our baptism Sunday, I started talking to people in mine, getting ready to be baptized because I wanted to hear some of their stories. And I ran into this guy and we just started talking and sharing stories. I said, have we ever met before? I just don't think we have. And he said, well, actually, today is my first day at Northern Hills. And I'm getting back. I was like, oh, well, welcome to Northern Hills <laughs> and our baptism conga line here happening. And what was so cool, though, is actually last week, this man got baptized, his wife got baptized, and two of his children were baptized with him as well that weekend. It was just such a really cool moment. Yeah, <laughs> Unbelievable. So I got talking to Connor and as he was sharing his details, and I said, man, would you be okay if I shared some of the details of your story? He said, absolutely, we're, we're an open book. But as he was talking to me in that line, he started explaining how they had just moved here to Colorado less than a month ago from the other side of the country because one of their other kids has some very serious medical needs, very serious, so much so that they moved here so they could be close to Colorado Children's Hospital, I guess, the best in the world for what their daughter needs. And so... I just couldn't help myself because Nicole and I have a lot of experience going to Colorado Children's with our own daughter. So we have been around that roller coaster with our kids' medical needs. And I just couldn't help myself. I asked him, I said, man, how are you processing this? Like, how are you even navigating this? What is this doing to your faith? Because they're going through serious stuff right now. And what he said just absolutely floored me. Because he said, you know, Brian, I know God can do miracles. I know he can heal. I know he can, but I also believe in science and medicine and science and medicine right now is saying that my daughter needs serious help and the odds are not in her favor. But this is what really struck me. He said, Brian, I'm very aware that this situation may not go the way I want. And my wife and I, we may not get a solution to our daughter's needs, but my faith does not depend on me getting a solution. He said, I am fully committed to my kids and God, no matter what. Now he really got me thinking, because I realized when he was saying this, you know what? The miracle is not always the solution. It's not. Sometimes the miracle is strength. God shows up in your life with his supernatural power that you need to persevere and endure and be a witness of his glorious goodness and love and kindness and grace in your life in the midst of your worst situations. And that is a miracle just in and of itself. And I'm telling you, you may not get the solution you want, but God always promises strength when you need it. And for those of you who were baptized last week, you made a declaration of full commitment to Jesus. You went public saying, I am all in with God. And you know what God says? That is a life I can show up in. That's a life I can do some work in. And this is why I believe we are seeing God move in our church right now. Because we have people who are saying, you know what, God? I may not get the solution, but that does not change my commitment. Just give me the strength I need when I need it. So I just want to encourage some of you guys. You're not promised a solution. You can't always manufacture the strength. All God is asking is that you stay committed. And he says, I'll show up. I'll give you what you need. Now, there's one other condition I see happening in our church right now. I see it in people's lives, and I want to keep stirring this for us. Some of you might remember if you were here last year at this time, we did a series called There Is More. Now, this whole series was about how God is able and even willing to do so much more than we often ask or even imagine. And there was a foundational passage that set the tone for the conditions of what causes God to show up in our lives sometimes. And it's right here in Hosea 10. This is what it says. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness on you. Now, some of you might remember this from last year, but for a lot of us, this will be new. This idea of fallow ground, all fallow ground is, is ground that has not been worked. It's just been left idle. And so it can't really grow anything good. It's rocky. It's hard. It's really dry. It's Colorado. All right. Very easy for us to understand here in Colorado. All right. Now, there is an area in the world that is considered the driest and most fallow place on the planet, and it's called the Atacama Desert in Chile. This place, if you can believe it, only gets millimeters of rain every year. And it even had a 500 year period where it got zero rain. 500 years. Driest place on earth. Now, this is the image God is using to talk about what happens to our hearts. We don't work the soil of our soul, and then good things can't really grow, stuff can't really come to life. And if you've ever tried gardening before, you know how hard it is to start breaking up that hard soil. It's like trying to push through concrete. And sometimes I watch Nicole doing it outside from our air-conditioned house, and I feel so bad for her. I'm exhausted for her when I'm watching her try to break up the soil. It's hard work for that woman. Now this is what got say though, you got to break up the soil in your heart. You got to do the hard work of softening yourself towards God. You got to cultivate a soul where seeds can take root. And this is repenting of sin, turning from those destructive ways. This is humbling yourself before God. It's seeking him genuinely and desperately. And there's a principle we see here in this passage. And this is just how God works. We work the soil. God sends the rain. This is how it works. This is an agricultural context when Hosea is writing this. They didn't have modern irrigation. So all they could do was work the soil. That's all they could do. They had no control over the rain. So they're praying to God, God, please send rain. Because if God doesn't send the rain, they don't eat. This is a very serious situation for them. But God's not talking about rain for food right now. He's talking about raining down his blessing and his presence and his power and showing up in our lives. And you need to know today, everybody, we are in a rainy season here in Northern Hills in the best possible way. God has just been so generous in raining down his blessing and his favor. And the reason why I believe that is happening is because the soil is good. There is good soil here at this church. You know, every week, I am just blown away by the people of this church. Every single week, there are people sacrificing and serving and seeking God. You know, many of you don't know this. There's a group of men that show up at our church every single week, Monday through Friday, and they're vacuuming carpets, they're scrubbing toilets, and they're cleaning this entire building, and they do it on their own free time. They totally volunteer it, this group of men to clean this whole church. And 99% of our church will never see all the sacrifices these guys make for this community. There's a group of women at our church who come pretty much every single week. They were just here this last Wednesday and they prepped all of the materials for the kids ministry today, for all these kids. And they do all these special projects for the church and they volunteer their time to do it. And most everybody will never see who these ladies are and all the sacrifices they're making for our church. You know, there is a man in our church who every day on his commute, pulls into our church and drives a lap around our building and prays for this community and this congregation. Seeks God on behalf of every person here. I remember one day I was in the conference room upstairs in our church and I see a guy walking around our building. I said, who is this creeper trespassing on our property? I'm about to go call the cops. This is so strange behavior. This guy's squatting. And I, I looked close, I'm like, oh my goodness. He is praying right now. This guy is prayer walking our property seeking God on behalf of this community. You know, there's people not even in this service right now because they're walking this building, making sure everything is staying safe, keeping their eyes on everything. There are so many people that are investing in it and loving on kids that are not even their own. And you know, there are so many people right now doing thankless, invisible tasks that are so essential for the functioning of this church. And the reason why I bring all this up is because every single one of those sacrifices these people are making is working the soil of this church. It's preparing for God to send the rain. And 112 of you last week, you took a massive step. You worked the soil of your heart. You sought God and he opened up your life and rained down his own favor on this church and this whole community. And this is what I'm trying to get at. Everything, you see what Hosea is saying? This is really the whole point of the message, even though it's the third point. This is what I'm trying to get at. It's this simple. God shows up where he is wanted. It's that simple. You say, how do I get God to show up in my life? Do you want him? Do you want him more than anything else? Are you desperate for it? Are you willing to do the hard work of breaking up that soil, of seeking him and preparing yourself to actually receive the reign of his blessing? Because you see, When you get the soil right, all you need to do is add water. I showed you guys that picture of the Atacama Desert recently. Remember? Most fallow place on planet Earth. Most people don't know that in this ground are millions of dormant seeds. And on extremely rare occasions, this desert actually gets a large amount of rainfall and it experiences what is called a super bloom. And this desert is transformed into a lush oasis of life and beauty. And this is what God wants for you. God is saying, I want to rain down my love and my presence and my power in ways that you have never even imagined. I want to give you a freshness and a vibrancy and a vitality that you have never experienced before. God is saying, I am just looking for people who want this. Do you want it? God says, I show up where I am wanted." It. It's that simple. And I think about even in this spiritual wasteland of Colorado, it is. We're seeing some flowers sprout here in Northern Hills. I believe God wants to send so much more rain because the soil is good. I believe we're just getting started to see what God is doing. But if you asked me today, do I wanna see Northern Hills grow? The answer is absolutely. I'd love for us to reach as many people as God would have us. Maybe you say, well, Brian, what kind of impact with missions and all that do you wanna have? Do you wanna expand that? Of course, I want us to make a mark in this world. There's so much need. But if you really ask me, Brian, what do you want more than anything else? I want God. I want Jesus more than good music or great programs or powerful preaching, I want to be a part of a church that wants God because I know that that's where he will show up. And so many of you guys were a confirmation that this is a church that wants God. And I want to congratulate every single person that was baptized because you were declaring with your life, God, I want you. And that is why God is moving this church right now. And you guys need to hear the heart of this right now because you need to know this is not about pumping numbers. It's not about manufacturing some hype. We're not trying to make some name for Northern Hills. If one person got baptized last week, we would have celebrated, that would be a miracle of God. And we know behind every single baptism, there's a name, there's a story, there's somebody who is really seeking and grown in God. We know all of that, but really this isn't even about all those names. This is about one name and his name is Jesus. He's the king, he is the Lord, he is the savior. And actually, I want us to stand today because we need to sing to this God today. He is the one we're giving the glory to. So can we stand today? We're gonna lift Man. this God up for everything he's doing in this place. We thank you, Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.